Hello, I'm Rob Buckingham and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, episode 80. We dig deep into topics and questions each week to discover what the Bible says. much conjecture about the nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh, but a careful investigation of the context plainly shows what it actually was. More importantly, we investigate how Paul's experiences relate to our Christian journey. But first, what was Paul's thorn? Let's find out. The question simply is, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And we read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 to 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so thorn in the flesh has become one of the many idioms or sayings that we have in the Bible that we still use in everyday life. There's a, a whole stack of them, actually, that we often hear in everyday life that have their uh, origination in Scripture. So am I my brother's keeper, the apple of my eye, the blind leading the blind, doubting Thomas, eat, drink and be merry, escaped by the skin of your teeth, being a fly in the ointment, good Samaritan, going the extra mile, hiding your light under a bushel, being a lamb to the slaughter, a leopard can't change its spots, a little bird told me, that's in the Bible too, as is no rest for the wicked, pearls before swine, the powers that be, salt of the earth, scapegoat, take someone under your wing, turn the other cheek and wolf in, wolf in sheep's clothing. All things that we will hear used semi-regularly in our world today that have their foundation two, two, three, maybe even 4,000 years ago in the scriptures. So a thorn in my side is a continuous problem or an annoyance that makes life difficult for us. And so we've all experienced this. Maybe you're experiencing this right now. A thorn in your side. It could be a person. Maybe it's a friend or a relative, a workmate, a boss, hopefully not your spouse, who are a thorn in your side. Might be a thing. It might be you're worried about money at the moment. Maybe you've got an old car and it's a bit of a thorn in your side. It's the only thing you've got to get around, but you're never quite sure whether it's going to get you to your destination, but you can't afford a new one or a newer one at the moment. Uh, maybe it's an experience. It could be a, an experience from the past that still kind of goads you uh, in the present, or maybe it's a habit that you just can't get the victory over, and so it's a thorn in your side. So what was Paul's thorn? Well, he tells us in verse 12 and verse 7 that I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. So this thing is a messenger of Satan that was sent to 
torment Paul. If we go into the original Greek here, thorn refers to a bodily annoyance or a disability. Uh, and so a bodily annoyance, it's, so it's something in his body or some area of disability in his body. That gives us a very strong clue. Um, it's in his flesh, so it's the body. It's bodily weakness, if you like. It's a messenger, and, and the word messenger simply means an angel, but then he clarifies. So in this case, it's a fallen angel. And the word torment means to strike with the fist. So the same word was used when it comes to Jesus and his torment before his crucifixion. You remember when they pulled his uh, beard out by the hands and he was spat on and beaten with rods and then struck with the fist? So same thing there. Uh, Paul felt like he was being struck by the fists of people. And so all of that together gives us a really good clue, as, as does the context that we'll read in a moment. I personally believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was the result of the tough times that he went through, particularly the persecutions that he endured for the sake of the gospel. And uh, we read about those all around um, before and after the reference to the thorn in the flesh. So have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 23 to 29. I have worked much harder, says Paul, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Remember, that's what Jesus had once. And if you ever watch Passion of the Christ, I mean, I had to look away. It was just so, so brutal. Paul was flogged 39 times, multiplied by five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? <sighs> I mean, it's hard to read, let alone imagine what Paul went through. Um, church history tells us that Paul was not a big man. He was short and fairly um, slight in stature. And so I want you to think for a moment of the physical handicaps that Paul endured as a result of being flogged 39 times by five, three times beaten with rods, pelted with stones, shipwrecked, constantly on the move, hungry, not enough clothes to wear, all of that. And, and imagine that the uh, of the scarring and the disfigurement that he lived with, and of course the torments as a result of all of those things. And so when we take this in the context, in chapter 12, Paul's had enough, and he asks God three times for things to change, and God says no. And so Paul has to modify his attitude 
and his expectation. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I'm there. Like I have not suffered anything like Paul, but I don't always handle my weaknesses and my sufferings as I should do. Certainly not like Paul does. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is amazing stuff, isn't it? And, and this is a this is a great reminder, I think, for myself. I hope for you as well. Uh, we all have weaknesses. Have we got to the point where we delight in them? We're all insulted at different times. And, and and do I actually delight in them? Well, I should do. In hardships, I don't like hardships or persecutions or difficulties. But have I got to the point where I delight in them because my perspective is like Paul's now of when I'm weak, then I am strong. Incredible truth, amazing revelation. So what does this mean for us? We hope you're enjoying this Digging Deeper podcast and finding help understanding the Bible and how it applies to life. Here at Digging Deeper, we'd appreciate your help letting others know about this podcast. One way to do this is by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. And please like Rob Buckingham's public figure page on Facebook. You can interact with us there and ask questions you'd like Rob to answer in future episodes of Digging Deeper. Now back to Rob. Let's just do a quick recap at this point. So, so far we've looked at the context of Paul's comments about his thorn in the flesh. We read about it in 2 Corinthians 12, but 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, he's talking about his persecutions, his sufferings for the sake of the gospel. Remember, context is everything. And when Paul wrote the letter, the second letter to the Corinthian church, he wrote it, it would have been written on a scroll, on parchment, and then rolled up and sent to the Corinthian church. So it had no verses, it had no chapters, it had no headings in place. Uh, it was just a letter. And so there was context here, and Paul was following a logical um, thought process as he was writing this letter to the Corinthian church. And so the context here is all about persecutions. He's been writing in 2 Corinthians 11 all about the persecutions, the five times he was beaten with the 39 stripes. If you've watched Passion of the Christ, you've seen that scene where Jesus was beaten with the cat of nine tails and, and the flesh ripped off his body. Well, Paul experienced that five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was shipwrecked all of this stuff that he recounts in 2 Corinthians 11. And so you've got to understand that there would come a point in time where Paul had had enough, and not just of the persecutions, but of the physical effects. Church history tells us that Paul was small in stature. He was a little guy, probably short, probably uh, skinny. And so you can imagine 
the the impact on this little man uh, he was a tough guy but but the impact on his body and so he was living with these physical effects of the persecutions that he had faced and so in the context of that he talks about this thorn in his side thorn in the flesh he said this is a messenger of satan it's sent to to buffet me it's like being struck with the fist or with rods or with a cat of nine tails he said i've had enough and i pleaded with god three times that he would take it away and god's response to him is my grace is sufficient for you and so then we read those immortal words of paul in 2 corinthians 12 he says i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so it's so important that we understand that whole context here. Paul is talking about his sufferings and the impact of the sufferings. And when God said, no, I'm going to give you grace instead of answering your prayer the way you want it answered, Paul um, falls into a pattern of contentment. So, okay, that's the case. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be glad about my weaknesses, I, 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 because Christ's power will rest on me. I'm gonna delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, because in my weakness I find I'm strong in, in, in Jesus. So that's a place all of us, I guess, need to arrive at. I can't say I am there. Some days I am, other, day, other days I'm not. How about you? Uh, so Paul's thorn in the flesh was the frequent persecutions that he experienced and the physical effects of those experiences on his body. So the, that background in mind, let's move on to a couple of other questions on this topic. And the first of those is what does this mean for us? The fact is that one way or another, we can all relate to Paul's experience. We all know what it is to have a thorn in our side. A thorn in our side is a continuous problem or a continuous annoyance that makes life difficult. And so all of us need to then learn how to deal with a thorn in our side. And I guess in the context of what Paul is saying, persistent prayer would be the major way that we should deal with it. If you look at the message version of verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, it says this, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. That's a magnificent way of putting it, isn't it? And so may the difficulties of life, may the thorns in our side push us to our knees. Uh, let's pray about these things rather than complain about them. Um, and especially, we've got to be careful that our life's problems and that which comes against us doesn't then define us. I, I come across people who complain about the same thing to every person they come across. And in fact, every time you meet with them, they will rehearse the same stuff over and over again ad nauseum. Eventually, the people around them get really tired because it's like a stuck record playing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing over and over again. 
And so eventually people actually start to take a step back, which then, of course, entrenches the person in loneliness and makes their life even more difficult. And so we've, we need to have two or three people around us that are trusted, where we can say, this is what's going on in my life, and this is the impact on me, and I want you to pray with me and stand strong with me, but then make a decision that the difficulties of life won't define you and that, that you won't rehearse them to every person you come across. So important. Um, don't let these things define you. Don't let them define your conversation. Take it to the Lord and have a couple of people around you that you can confide in. A couple of other things to highlight here. Don't use the thorn as an excuse not to pray. I've heard people do this. They say, oh, well, it's just my thorn in my side and I'll have to bear it. Well, maybe, maybe not. But don't let it be an excuse not to pray. The other thing I'll highlight here is it's okay to pray about the same thing more than once. Paul says, I pleaded three times. He brought it to God, brought it to God, brought it to God, and then God answered. So it's okay. The word pleaded there is actually a legal term uh, to earnestly put forward reasons for a case. And so Paul did that. He brought forth reasons to God of why God should answer his prayer. His, His prayer was not answered in the way he expected, but it was still an answer. And I'll touch a bit more on that in just a moment. Uh, Jesus prayed. He used the same words the gospel writers tell us. In uh, Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night of his arrest, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let's find it. Nevertheless, not what I will but your will be done. And he prayed the same prayer three times. And then I think about the story of where Jesus Uh, came across a blind man, and uh, the blind man asked Jesus to heal him. Jesus, I think it was the occasion where Jesus made mud out of his spit and rubbed it in the guy's face, in the guy's eyes, told him to go and wash off. I think uh, maybe I'm getting my stories a bit mixed up here, but the outcome of that was uh, Jesus said, how are you now? And the guy said, I see people like trees walking around. In other words, he was seeing, he was seeing, but he was seeing everything in a blurry way. So he was half healed. And so that's another thing, you know, we've got to be honest. I got caught up for a while in, in the faith confession movement where you find yourself, you end up confessing things that are actually not reality and you think it's faith, but it actually could be foolishness. Imagine what would have happened with this blind guy, you know, if he'd heard some of that teaching. Jesus said, how are you now? And he goes, well, I'm healed, Jesus. I'm healed. I'm fine. And off he went, half blind for the rest of his life. No, he was honest. He said, I see people, but they're all blurry, my paraphrase. And so Jesus prayed for him a second time. And the second time he was healed completely. You'd think that God in human form would only need to pray once. He prayed twice for the guy. I don't know why, but he did. And I think that gives us freedom to pray more than once about something. And in fact, you can pray about something over and over and over until you get a sense um, that God has answered your prayer, even if the answer is no. So what can we learn from a a thorn in our side? There are three things I want to highlight. The first of them is humility. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, to keep me from becoming 
conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. Now, Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. He was receiving incredible downloads from heaven. He was to write a significant part of what we now know as the New Testament scriptures. And so he was getting these incredible revelations from God. He was a mighty man called to be an apostle, doing incredible things, pioneering, planting, establishing churches, uh, appointing leadership, all of that kind of stuff. And so because of that, he was also, um, God allowed certain things in his life to make sure that he remained humble. So that says to me that the degree of your responsibility uh, also equals the degree of difficulty that you may face in life and, and also the importance of humility. So it's important to remember that, you know, the more responsibility you take on, be it in the church uh, or in the business world or wherever, the more responsibility that you take on, the more important it is that we remain humble, particularly if success is the outcome of what we do. The second thing we need to learn from the thorn is dependence. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul writes these words, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power may rest on me. He was dependent on Jesus. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. It's a really important principle. In your weakness, God gets to be strong on our behalf. And so we are dependent on him. My confession most mornings once I am awake is I am filled with the spirit and I'm open for business. That's my confession every day or most days. I'm filled with the spirit. I'm open for business. I'm ready for the day. But it's always with a recognition of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I'm dependent on him. And that way then I learn to be content tent in the face of difficulty because I'm reliant upon him. And the third thing is grace. This is the third thing we learn from a difficulty, from a thorn in our side, and that is grace. You see, God often answers prayer in a way that differs from our expectations. I wonder if you've ever noticed that. Uh, he answers prayer in a number of ways. Sometimes God will answer our, pr answer our prayer before we pray. There have been occasions in life where I've thought, oh, I must pray about that. But before I actually get to forming the words of a prayer, God's answered. Sometimes God answers a prayer straight away. Sometimes it's like, you know, when there's an overhead thunderstorm and you see a flash and a bang at the same time, well, there's a prayer and an answer. Yes, here it is. Invariably, God will answer our prayer, yes, but wait. And so there's this time gap between the prayer and you've got this sense in your spirit, yep, God's heard my prayer and he's, I know he's answered the prayer. I just haven't seen the result yet. And so it's like when my eldest daughter came to me when she was eight years old and she said, dad, can I drive the car? And I said, yes. So I just didn't clarify the fact that, of course, that it would be another six years before uh, she could get her, actually, no, what was it, another eight years before she could get her learner's permit and another 10 years before she could actually get her license and drive on her own. But yes, you can drive the car, sweetheart. That's no problem. But wait, God will answer our prayers like that. And then 
Sometimes God answers our prayer like he did for Paul. The answer is no, but here's my grace. And, and so no is an answer. <laughs> I've said that to my kids many, many times as well, you know. No, the answer is no, and no is an answer. But when God answers no, he provides the grace that we need in order to bear the thorn. And so that's God's sustaining grace. <clears throat> the message excuse me, the Message Bible puts it this way uh, toward the end of this passage. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Isn't that magnificent? Love the way Eugene Peterson puts things in the message translation. So as followers of Jesus, we choose to focus on God's grace, his strength moving on in our weakness. And so that's what Paul's thorn was, and more importantly, that's the practical truth that the story teaches to each of us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. A new episode of Digging Deeper is out every Wednesday. If you like this podcast, please share it with others and rate and review us on iTunes. That goes a long way to help others find us. If you have a question or topic you'd like Rob to address, please get in touch with us at Rob Buckingham's Public Figure Facebook page or email connect at baysidechurch.com.au. Next week, Pastor Rob will explore the fascinating topic of Bible numerology. All that and more in next week's episode of Digging Deeper.